about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Praise God. Good evening, everybody. So glad you could make it tonight. Nobody drowned Sunday, so that was good. It's always good, praise God. All right, are you ready? All right, go to Galatians chapter 1 tonight. Galatians 1, Father, I thank you for more revelation into your word tonight. I thank you for opening our eyes to who we are, what we have, what you've done for us, and how we can use it in this day and this hour. We give you the praise and glory for what you're going to do tonight through your spirit. We thank you for the revelation that comes into our hearts in a new way tonight. And we just give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter 1 tonight. We continue to talk about the kingdom of God. Look at verse 4. Talking about Jesus, it says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world or evil age according to the will of God our Father. Now, one good thing we know, this is the will of God our Father, and it's talking about what was supposed to be done here. Basically, he wanted to deliver us from this world, say from this world. Now, what you got to understand is he's not telling you that he wants to take you out of here and take you to heaven, but he wants to deliver you from this world system, this world's influence, this world the way it does things. Basically, he wants to deliver us from that. You know, if you don't get delivered, even though you're born again from the influence of the world, you're really not going to fulfill your purpose because your purpose is to bring the kingdom mentality into this earth. And if your mentality don't get changed, you can't change anybody else's mentality to the kingdom. Are you following me? So basically what he wants to do is make sure we get delivered from this world's influence, from the way it does things, from the way it acts, the way it talks, and everything else. So God's purpose is always everything that he does is to fulfill his purpose. It started in Genesis 1, just continues to go. In the beginning, his whole purpose was to extend his kingdom in heaven, which is invisible and spiritual, into the natural realm. That's what he wanted to do. And he wanted to do that through mankind. In other words, he wanted to bring heaven into the earth realm. The earth basically should look just like heaven if God's purpose is fulfilled. In other words, you won't know the difference whether you're in heaven or earth because everything's going to be wonderful. It's going to be utopia. That's what God wanted to do. So mankind, basically, he created in God's image. He created in God's likeness. Why did he do that? So that man could bring, or man could bring God's culture. He could bring his attitudes, his actions, his thought life, his will into this earth realm. Basically, what God was desiring was something called days of heaven on the earth. Praise God. All right, go, go to Deuteronomy 11. Even in the Old Testament, there's references to days of heaven on the earth, which if there's references in the Old Testament, there should definitely be references and expectation of the New Testament since everybody back there weren't even born again. They weren't spirit-filled. They did not have authority. But yet he was promising them also days of heaven on the earth. Aren't you glad you can live that way on earth? You don't have to die and go to heaven to do it. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look at verse 18. It says, Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets before your eyes and you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by thy way, when thou lie down, when they rise up. Now, how many know there's not too many other positions? So he could have just said all the time, couldn't he? 
Yeah, all the time. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon the gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to give them as days of heaven upon the earth. So here in the Old Testament even, he's promising or giving them a glimpse of what the earth is supposed to be like and what it's going to be transformed into by his children here, basically on earth, that it's going to be days of heaven on the earth. And notice what the key is. Look at verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart, in your soul, bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be frontless before your eyes. So the keys to kingdom living is always the word of God. The Word of God is the key to everything in God's kingdom, in God's ways, in God's thoughts. Thank God wrote, God wrote down His thoughts and His will and His ways in a book so we could find out what they were. Otherwise, you'd have to take what everybody told you God was thinking what, and basically what they thought God was thinking. And we don't want to do that. We've already got it written down here in the will and testament of God. So we know the way God operates, what He does, how He acts, the things that He does. So it's possible, if it was possible in the Old Testament for days of heaven on the earth, it is certainly possible in the New Testament for days of heaven on the earth. We know in the beginning mankind was created perfect. He was created in the image and likeness of God. But when he sinned, he lost his authority. And at that time, he came under a new kingdom, which was called the kingdom of darkness or Satan's kingdom. At that time, he went into spiritual bondage. One of the bondages he went to was fear. He was afraid of God, afraid of everything. He was also taken into spiritual blindness, which is basically ignorance. He was ignorant of God, who he was. He was ignorant of the kingdom of God. He was ignorant of God's purpose and his purpose. He was ignorant of himself. But how many know God's plan never changes? And how many know God didn't change? The only thing that changed in that time was mankind changed. So what's God's goal? God is basically going to restore man back to his original position of authority and power and purpose and rulership. And he does that basically through sending Jesus to the cross to basically put us back in the position that we were at one time before Adam sinned. Hallelujah. How many know you're there right now? If you're born again, you entered into the kingdom of God, you have been translated into a brand new creation right now, and basically you have everything that Adam had and more. Say more. more. Praise God, because you're a son of the living God now, and you're full of the Spirit of God, and you have the anointing of God. So basically God did that through Jesus Christ himself. Another thing that had to be done in that time was grace, basically, through the power of God. Satan had to be removed from the throne. Because man went under the kingdom of darkness where Satan was a ruler. So in order to get man back, how many know he had to spoil? Spoil the devil, spoil his works in order to bring mankind back where he belongs to be. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We'll look at this quick. All right, Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 14. He says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took them all out of the way, nailing them to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What's he talking about here? He's talking about in hell, Jesus defeated the devil. He spoiled the devil at that time. He made a show of him openly. If you study the Old Testament, sometimes when, when one, one king and his kingdom took over another king and kingdom, they kept the king alive. They put him on a chariot and they paraded him around town showing that he was defeated. Basically, this is in reference to that. Jesus not only defeated him, but he paraded him around hell in front of everybody. Hallelujah. I'd love to have been there. I don't care what that ticket cost. I'd love to have been right there in the front row for that one. Praise God. 
paraded him around heaven and basically spoiled him at that time and basically removed his kingdom so that mankind could now come in and once again be in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 2. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, how many of you are partakers of flesh and blood? Notice, Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same. He came here in a nurse suit, that through his death he might destroy him, bring to naught him that had the power of death. That is who? The devil. So here it tells you once again, when Jesus suffered and died on the cross, at that time basically through his death, he destroyed or he brought to naught him who had. Say had. How I many you know if he had the power of death, it means he doesn't have the power of death anymore because he doesn't have it anymore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So once again, it shows you what took place. It shows you that Jesus defeated him on the cross. So if you're a kingdom citizen, it's a little bit different than being in the church and, and what's being taught and what you do because the restoration of God's rulership on earth through man is the heart of what our faith is supposed to be about. How many of you ever heard studies on faith? You've heard about faith? Faith basically was never instigated so that you could have a new car, so that you could have your money that you needed, so that you could need a, a new house, so that you could find a spouse for any of those things. Basically, all those things belong to you as long as you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be... So many of the things we're using our faith to do, and there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, if you want to use it for that, but faith is actually for you to put in the restoration that was already accomplished by Jesus. In other words, I want to put my faith in the authority that he got back for me. My faith wants to be in the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives on the inside of me. It wants to be in my new identity as a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. It wants to be in my purpose and my position. My faith is used for those things. And basically, faith receives what grace has provided. That's what your faith is there for, to receive what grace has provided. If grace didn't provide it, then don't faith for it. Are you following me? Yeah, whatever's been provided. Has power been provided? Then I want to use my faith to believe that the power was given to me and it now belongs to me. I want to believe in the authority that I have. I want to believe in the purpose that I have to just continue to destroy the works of the devil. So basically my faith is used for that. The religious motive has been to get things. Say things. You should never worry about things. You know why? Because Jesus told you not to. He said, why do you worry about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear? And everybody probably answers that because I need what I eat and what I drink and what I wear and I ain't got it, praise God. But notice you'll have it. And I found out in my life a lot of times when I was believing for things and wasn't getting them, I found out that it wasn't because I didn't have enough faith. At first I thought it was, so you know what I did? I, I kept confessing the word more than I used to. Did you ever do that? Uh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, 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 knelt down, healed, stood up, healed, jumped up and down, healed, trying to get healed. But notice, that's not it, basically. That, that's not what it's about, basically. My priority was wrong. I was seeking with faith everything that I needed for my kingdom rather than what he needed for his kingdom. And his kingdom means more to him than it does to me. So if I could line up and make his kingdom first place in my life, then he would take care of my little kingdom. Come on now. As long as I saw it first, the kingdom of God. What was he talking about? Priority. That's got to be your priority. My priority wasn't that. My priority was this is what I'm going to do, God, and you help me. I didn't know he sh I wanted him to tell me this is what I'm doing. Why don't you help me? 
See, it's a little bit reverse, isn't it? Because that's the way it was before we got born again. I mean, we were selfish, weren't we? And we would do whatever we could to survive, heck, with everybody else, as long as we were doing okay and whatever we had to do. You see people robbing things. You see people, women selling their bodies. What for? Things to survive in this world. But if you do it God's way, you'll survive all the time as long as you keep your priority right, which is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So our faith should be in what he's already provided for each and every one of us. So your faith is in that you have the power of God. And notice, really, you don't even need faith for the power of God because it's something you have. How many of you have to have faith to believe the money in your wallet belongs to you tonight? You have to say, I believe there's money in my wallet. I believe it. I believe it. I believe. No, it's yours. It belongs to you. Power belongs to you. It's a possession. Authority is yours. It's possession. People say, well, I don't feel like I have authority. I'll tell you, the President of the United States right now could be laying down sick, almost dead on his back, still command something to happen. How many know it would happen? Not because of how he felt, but because of his position that he's in. And the Bible says he has made you a king and a priest unto God. And kings are there to command it, no matter what you feel like or what you look like. You've got to believe the word of God. So I believe I have the authority of God. Why do you have the authority of God? Because God gave it to me. How do you know he gave it to me? Because it said in his word that I have the authority of God. So what am I going to do since I have it? I'm going to use it. But if I'm going to try to faith to get it, then when am I going to know that I got it? And when did I know I had enough faith to have it? Because I'm not going to try to use it until I got it. Do you see? He, the devil's got us going around in circles. This guy, do, you, do you have power? I'm going to have. You will when? I go to church two more times and pray in the Holy Ghost three more times. I'm going to have all the power in the world. I'm going to have it there. And then will you know you have it? I think I will at that time. Maybe, maybe I'll believe it when it works. Well, it's only going to work if you believe you have it. Because you're not going to use it if you don't believe you have it. So how are you going to see it work if you're not using it till you wait to see if you have it? Are you following me? So we waste our whole lives in that, just going around in a circle, and the devil's standing there laughing the whole time, not knowing that what he's already looking for, you have already got. Praise God, it already belongs to it. That's who you are. You were born into it. I'm sorry. You've got authority whether you like it or not. You've got power whether you like it or not. You're a new creation whether you like it or not. Now, you might not be taking advantage of what you are, but that's who you are because God made you that way by a miracle. Praise God. All right, go to John 16. Okay, John 16, look at verse 1. Jesus is speaking. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended or upset. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time will come that whosoever kills you will think that he's doing God a service. Now, this is once again talking about kingdom. What's it talking about? It's talking about the way people try to acquire and think they're helping the kingdom of God by taking property from people, by basically abusing people, by terrorizing people, by doing all this stuff. And we see a lot of that in religion, don't we? I mean, we see the Muslims against the Jews, the Jews against the Muslims. Back when mom was small, she always talks about the day where they had a Catholic church on one side and they had a Protestant church on the other side, and they'd walk to school one down the sidewalk here, one down the other, and basically the Protestants would look over and say, fish eaters, fish eaters, fish eaters, because they, you know, or they would look at them, fish eaters, fish eaters, and they'd look back and go, pot lickers, pot lickers, pot lickers, because one of them ate meat and one of them didn't eat meat. But back then, even as kids, they were fighting over each other, who was right, which, one, which religion was better, which happened. You can see this in the Middle East going right now. What are they fighting over? Property. And you've got two religions over there fighting it. But how many know they all think they're hearing from God? 
They all think they're doing exactly what God wants them to do. So the kingdom of God has nothing to do with taking physical territory whatsoever. It's a spiritual thing, and it deals with spiritual issues and spiritual people who we are. So it doesn't deal in that kind of stuff. What does it deal with? Go to Luke 17. All right, Luke 17, look at verse 20. It says, And when Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, now notice they're looking for some kind of physical takeover of property. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, It's over here. No, it's over there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within us. So now we're talking about a spiritual kingdom. We're not talking about anything out here in the natural. We're talking about the kingdom of God being on the inside of each and every one of us who were born into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, which has everything you'll ever need, is already in us. It's already on the inside of us. And we activate everything we have inside of us by faith in what we have on the inside of us. And it activates that. So here he says the kingdom advances where? It's going to advance in the hearts and in the minds of men. Now, if it's going to, if it's going to advance in the hearts and minds of men, how is it going to do that? It's going to do it through something called knowledge. Knowledge. That's why in this day and hour right now, there's too much knowledge in the world. And most of it isn't knowledge anyway. You think to yourself, how can that person believe that? That's so stupid because they got knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge to a place where now they believe killing babies is just fine. You know, changing your sex is just fine. All these things are fine. All that came from knowledge, basically, to spread one kingdom or the other kingdom. So we want to be delivered from this world's thought life, this world's knowledge of what we used to live in, and we do that through the Word of God. I mean, there's so much out there. There's a news media. There's social media. All this stuff is, is like they did in the old days, brainwash people. It's all bad information. Then they live that way. Well, the kingdom of God has no bad information. It has all good information. So when I get in the Word of God, I want that to change the way that I think, change what I'm doing. God isn't looking to take us out of the world. He's keeping us in the world, but he's changing the way that we think and the influence upon us in the world so that we can then change and change other people's way of thinking. Did you ever try to argue with somebody who was completely wrong and you knew it and you couldn't convince them anything? See, why is that? They've been brainwashed. That's all they, they believe it, bless God. They've heard it so many times. They turn on their phone. There it is. They turn on the TV. There it is. They turn on the internet. There it is. And it's pounding in there, pounding. Why do you think that sometimes when we put stuff online, it doesn't get online? Could it be because that's something they don't want people to hear because it might brainwash them in the wrong direction? Come on now. It's very simple, isn't it? So what is, it's knowledge that's going on, basically. Knowledge that's happening. God doesn't have to take back this world. He, he's not after this world. He's not after this earth. Look at Psalm 24. All right, Psalm 24, look at verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell in it. So notice, God's not out to conquer the earth. Why? It already belongs to him. He's not out to take the kingdom of the earth because it already belongs to him. So it's not talking about that. The world it's talking about is what's affecting the minds and hearts of the people who are here and keeping them meditating and thinking in the wrong kingdom. The world of hearts is basically people's thoughts and their understandings. He wants to deliver us from worldly thinking. He already said that his ways are not 
our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And the next verse said he's going to send something to take care of it, which is the word of God. The Bible said he sent his word and healed us and delivered us from all our destruction. Destruction is the same basically as being destroyed. How does Satan destroy? He steals, he kills, and then he destroys. So Satan will not be able to affect you that much as long as you change and line up with the word of God because the only thing he has against you is your ignorance. And if you don't have any ignorance, it's very hard for him to do it. And once you're, once you're, you're in your mind, your soul is saved in certain parts. How many of you are saved? How many know you're born again? You're going to heaven if you died today? You're saved there, aren't you? What if somebody comes up and you say, nobody knows if they're going to heaven or not, and you don't either. You would just say, go stand over in a corner someplace. But now somebody comes up to you and say, hey, you're not feeling very good. You're healed from the top of your head to your soles of your feet. No, I'm not because I don't feel like I'm healed. What happened? Your soul is not saved in that area yet. You're still having to fight with worldly stuff along with God's word. And you're having a battle between two informations or two knowledges that are coming against you. So basically, what does God want to do? He wants to save us from all our destruction. The Bible says, my people are destroyed because of not because of the devil, not because lack of faith, not be, lack of knowledge. We don't have the knowledge that we need. That's why this book, once again, is so important to study the Word of God and be in the Word of God because it changes the way you think. If you stay in this, and I'll tell you what, it's slow. Say it's slow. Say it's gradual. I mean, people get saved, and three weeks later, they want to think like I think. I've been in this a long, longer than three weeks. I've been in this listening to tapes now for 30 years, for gosh sakes. I've been studying the Word for 30 years. How many know your mind's going to change? And if you don't think you change, just start keeping track in your little book of what you're thinking. Then go back a year later and look at your book, and you'll say, boy, was I stupid a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Yeah. You go back and look at some of your old stuff and say, that's the same person I can't stand right now. I'm right there in the book. Yeah, because your mind gradually changed, it gradually adjusts, it gradually, the Holy Spirit's in there all the time working on it basically to help you to understand who God is, who you are, what he did for us, what can we receive and walk in now by the power of God. So God wants to restore us to our place of honor, our place of dominion. He wants us to rediscover our inheritance and our rights that we received when we entered the kingdom of God and became citizens of the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 25. I think I like this microphone better. It's a good flow in here tonight. All right, Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 34. Jesus says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of what? The world. So Jesus suffered and died in our place. He took our place and he opened the door so that we could enter the kingdom of God. Notice our inheritance in this verse, it's not heaven as you have been taught. Your inheritance is the kingdom of God itself. You inherited the kingdom of God when you got born into the kingdom of God. Notice when it was prepared for you, not the day you got born again, but it's prepared for you from the foundations of the world. How many of you know you weren't here to vote on it? It was already there. It's been prepared for every man who's in this earth right now. I don't care how bad a man is out there running around. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for him and his inheritance is available to him if he just hears about it and he receives it. So we inherit the kingdom of God. But of course, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God belongs to us by legal right. Say, I have a legal right. I have a legal right to my inheritance, to all my rights in my inheritance. 
So our inheritance basically has been waiting for us since the foundation of the world. Faith does not get you your inheritance. Faith activates your inheritance. So you don't need faith to get your inheritance why it already belongs to you. How many know if your rich uncle leaves you a million dollars and dies, you don't need any faith to get it? You just go and you run and you get to that place as fast as you can and you grab it and you go, praise God, to the nearest bank. Hallelujah. Yeah, you don't have to say, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. No, it belongs to you. It's an inheritance that came from Jesus and it came when he died, not when you die. Praise God. All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. You'll have all this when you get to heaven. Well, praise God, what's, what's the matter with it having now? 1 Timothy All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's look at verse 5. Well, go back to verse 4. It says, who will have all men to be saved. How many of you were? How many of you were saved? Yes. But notice there's a part B to that. And come into the knowledge. knowledge of the truth. Now, most of the church stops at one. I'm saved. Don't care about the knowledge of the truth. Don't care about the word. Don't care about anything else. Just going to heaven, basically. But notice there's two parts to your victory. Jesus said, I want you to have life. But I also want you to have life abundant. So how's a more abundant come? It comes with knowledge that you receive in the kingdom, so you start operating in the things of the kingdom. All right, look at verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man who? Jesus Christ. So Christ is our mediator between God and man. He stands between the spiritual and visible realm and the visible natural realm. He is a mediator between our inheritance and us. In other words, when you ask for something in the word of God and the will of God that you need from heaven, Jesus is there to make sure you get it in line with the will of God if you need it. So basically, you cannot receive your full benefits in the kingdom of God until you go through Jesus himself and then you get your inheritance. How I many you know before you got born again, you had to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How many know that inheritance was available to you, though, before that? You just didn't go after it. You didn't go through Jesus to get it, so you didn't get it until you got born again and went through Jesus. So the way that we get it is through Him. Say Him. Yeah. Now, we also know that Him is the Word. The Word in Him is the same. So I get my inheritance not only through Him, but through the Word of God and the promises of God in this book that belong to me. So we will slowly get knowledge of our inheritance that belongs to us. Then we'll start operating in that knowledge and in the inheritance that already belongs to us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, this is Paul's prayer for the church. Let's just go up to verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So notice, he's not praying that you get an inheritance. He's not praying that sooner or later when you die and go to heaven, you'll get it. He's praying that you get revelation of the inheritance that already belongs to you. So his prayer was not for you to get those things. His prayer was that you get the exceeding greatness, basically, and the riches of his glory of his inheritance. Now, notice it's not just an inheritance. It's an inheritance that has riches and it has glory, praise God. So there's a great inheritance for everybody who enters the kingdom of God as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And God's not a respecter of persons. It belongs to everybody. 
It doesn't just belong to pastors, apostles, all those. It belongs to anybody who's a citizen of the kingdom of God and basically who's in the kingdom of God. The same inheritance belongs to each and every one of us. And you say, well, why aren't people doing that then? Why aren't they like this person? Because one has a knowledge of it and they're operating in it and the other one doesn't have the knowledge of it so they don't know and they can't operate in it. See, God, God's not going to get caught by being favorite to this person or that person. He doesn't work that way. But so Paul here, he's praying. What's he praying? And look at the next verse. He prays that, that we would understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who do what? Believe. So notice, you can have the exceeding greatness power. It belongs to you. It's in your inheritance. But if you don't, you'll never operate in the... You'll pray for power. You'll dance for power. You'll shout for power. You'll jump for power. You'll beg for power. You'll plead for power. But the problem is you already got power. Because the Bible says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive. So what's he telling them? He says, God, open their eyes. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. I pray this prayer for me and you guys. I want my eyes open. I want your eyes open to the inheritance and the power that belongs to you. I mean, it must be a good prayer. It's in the Bible, and Paul prayed it, praise God. And he probably knows better than the prayer I'm going to screw up. So I'm just going to use this one, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to John chapter 10. All right, John chapter 10, look at verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door for the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly or life to the max. So here's Jesus. Jesus says, who is he? He's the door. Say, Jesus is the door. Now, he's the door to what? He's a door to the kingdom of God. He is the entrance to the kingdom of God. He says, I'm the door to the entrance of the king. I am the way to the kingdom of God. I am the truth in the kingdom of God, and I am the life in the kingdom of God. So basically, he gives us an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God. The process of doing that is something called being born again. Now, being born again is the first step in the kingdom of God. It's not the last step. It's not the finishing step. It is the first step. The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see or understand the kingdom of God. Now, once I'm born into the kingdom of God through the door, now I can start to see what belongs to me in the kingdom of God that God has. How do we do this? Through knowledge. Through knowledge, you'll find out my rights that belong to me. I have a right to lay hands on the sick, and they should what? I have a light, right to cast out the devil, and he should even if I drink anything deadly, it should not hurt me. I have a right to pray in tongues. See, all these are legal rights that we have that belong to the kingdom of God that come to us through knowledge after entering through the door. But the church spends all its time basically preaching and focusing on the first step and the door. I'm going to get on your religious cows right now. I'm sorry, but... You know, everybody says, preach Jesus. I had a guy who was my pastor before. He says, give him Jesus. Well, if you only give him Jesus, they're never going to find out what's on the other side of the door. See, Jesus is all we need. No, you need what's on the other side of the door, or Jesus wouldn't be the door for you to get in the kingdom and receive the inheritance that belongs on the inside of you. So everybody says, I'd have preached nothing but Jesus. Well, you're wrong then, because you're supposed to be preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't even preach Jesus. 
The disciples didn't preach Jesus. He never said, go and preach me into all the world. No, he said, go preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out devils, and do whatever. Yet the church has stopped at the door. That's why we got so many backsliding people. Because once you're born again in heaven, what do I do in between? I just try to hold on, praise God, till God comes back. No, I got no purpose. I got nothing. I'm born again, and I'm going to heaven. No, no. There's stuff beyond the door. Jesus is just the door on the way in. We need him. We've got to have him. But once you go through the door, there's something on the inside called the kingdom that belongs to each and every one of us. So basically, Jesus didn't preach the, he preached the kingdom of God. The disciples preached the kingdom of God. People say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you should preach what Jesus preached. How can you claim to be a disciple of somebody if you're not even preaching what they're preaching? He preached the kingdom. So the kingdom of God should be preached all over the place in the churches so that people understand that there's more. So verse 7 says, Jesus says, I am the door. I came that you might have life and you might have it to the max. Say the max. So notice, he just don't want us to have life. That's fine. That's better not having it. But he wants us to have life to the max. So the kingdom requires that we have to move beyond the door beyond the original experience of being born again and go into a place where we understand that now we are sons and daughters of the living God and we start thinking and acting and behaving like someone who's a son of God as someone who has power of someone who has authority of someone who's a winner and not a loser it's not joining a particular church or denomination it doesn't matter if you want to be Catholic Lutheran Methodist you want to be a TCVCite I don't care but that's not what you're here you are a kingdom citizen and everybody, no matter who you put, tag you put on yourself, it's not about which you join, which, which, which you're in, whether you're Methodist or whatever. It's not about that. It's about basically enter into a government, a kingdom with legal rights in that government that were provided for you. And all you did to get there was go through the door. So in order to receive stuff, if you go to any country, how many know you're going to have to read the Constitution and find out what belongs to you? Yeah. So God gave us a Constitution that nobody reads because nobody knows it belongs to them and nobody cares if it's written anyway. Well, yeah, everything in here, it's a constitution. It was written by God. This is what belongs to you. This is what you do, and this is what I'll do for you. If you do this, I'll do for you. You want to draw near to me? I'll draw near to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, he tells us everything in here, so we want to start reading and understanding that. So why is it that so many people aren't receiving anything? Well, some people do not know, basically, that they're citizens of the kingdom of God when they get born again. They think they're a member of a church. They think they're some kind of religious creature but they have no idea that they're a citizen of a kingdom of God and a son in the family of God. We don't understand that we have rights as citizens. That's why we pray out of a beggar mentality. That's sometimes why we pray, why we cry. You know, when you were a small child and they wouldn't give you what you wanted if you just screamed and cried, sometimes you got it. Come on. If I just show God, I'm really, I'm really sorry. He'll forgive my sins. No, he said if you confess them, he'd forgive them. You don't have to for confess them and cry. See, now I'm not knocking crying. Sometimes the spirit will come on you and you'll cry. Somebody will come on your left. I'm saying if you're doing it to manipulate God to do something for you, it's not going to work. He's smarter than that. It's not going to take place. So you, you don't do that stuff, see? But all that's from that beggar mentality. And on the other hand, we do, oh, God, I've been going to church every Wednesday and Sunday. Susie hasn't been gone, but you've been blessing her. And I've been going every Wednesday and Sunday. If anybody should get blessed, Susie only shows up now and then. But I'm. So what are you trying to do? You're not trying to receive the blessing that already belongs to you. You're trying to earn it. Did you see what I did, God? Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. No, no. It's based on the word of God. Whatever the word says belongs to you, belongs to you. That's why the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, notice, don't come to any throne. Come to the throne of grace. What is grace? Grace is what's been supplied for you on the cross of Calvary. So I'm coming to 
get everything that already belongs to me by Jesus on the cross through grace and through faith, through grace, not of myself. It was a gift of God, praise God, because of the mercy of God. Some people say, his mercies are new every morning. How you doing? Well, I just don't know. Nothing's going good, and God don't seem to hear me. And God, You don't even know what mercy is. Mercy is when he went to the cross and gave us all this stuff freely. It's been given to each and every one. So we can come to the throne of grace, and we can say, that's mine. I can get bold, praise God. Hallelujah. That's mine. Glory to God. So basically, what are we doing? We're slowly learning about who we are. We're learning the mind and the heart of God. How many you know we need training in the way that we think? We need training to live as citizens of a kingdom rather than people of a religion. We need to understand that everything God gave us is by grace through faith and not of ourselves, but it is a gift of God. All right, go to John 17. There's going to be a lot in this tonight. You might have to get this tape. Hallelujah. There will be a sale back there for $500 a piece when you're done tonight, praise God. <laughs> John, John, chapter, John chapter 17, are you there? Look at verse 14. Jesus is speaking. He says, I have given them thy word, and the world has... So notice, when you start to renew your mind and get free from the world's influence, people aren't going to really love you that much. You're going to be excited about it, but a lot of other people around you aren't going to be that excited about it. And hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not what? Of the world. So when you got born again, this tells you also you change countries. You're not only an American citizen, you're not only a person here, but you become a citizen of another country called heaven, which is invisible and is a spiritual country, but you're still a citizen of that country, even though it's spiritual, and basically you can't see it, and you can't really know that it's there other than by faith in the Word of God. So all the rights and privileges and benefits come from my citizenship in my new country, which is heaven. That means everything that heaven has that belongs to you is available for you to access. The Bible says we have access by one spirit. How many know what spirit that is? It's the spirit of God, isn't it? So we have access by one spirit into everything that heaven has already given us and everything that we need, all our rights, all our privileges, all our benefits, even though we're not in heaven, but we're on earth. We were told that the only way we're going to get what, we, what belongs to us is if we die and go to heaven. But you're already a citizen of heaven, so you still have all the rights, whether you're there or whether you're not. You go to another country, you're a United States citizen, you still have the rights as an American citizen and the backing of this government, even if you're in another country. Well, it's the same way here. You're on earth, but you can receive from the earth or you can receive from heaven. And I'm going to let you guess which one's better. But see, everybody down here wants to live by the earth. So what do we do? We're going to follow the worldly ways of doing things. We're going to own finances and, and marriage and everything else. We're going, to, we're going to do the way they do it down here. Well, it's never going to work because that always leads to failure. Look at the governments. Every single government on the earth that's ever been started is falling apart. And they all will. Why? Because they're man-made governments. But the kingdom of God is unshakable. Never going to be destroyed. Always going to be there. Not going to fall apart because it's lined up by God. So we want to do the way that, that, that they tell us to do. So basically by being born again and enter the kingdom of God, you regained everything that Adam lost. It now belongs back to you. So we really can't blame Adam anymore, can we? We always say, he was so stupid, I wouldn't have all these problems. Well, you don't need to have all these problems anyway, and don't blame it on him because he'd been dead a long time. Just learn to overcome these things through the kingdom of God and what God did. And many times during the year, the church has... has holy days and there's nothing wrong with that i guess if you know what's going on but we got christmas and then we got good friday and then we got easter and basically we set a day for those and we wear our bonnets and we wear all our clothes and everything and we all come together jesus is risen come alive but what good does all that do if you don't even know what he did it for 
Jesus is alive. Is he? What's that do for you? I don't know, but he's alive and I got a new bonnet to wear on Sunday. See, we don't even understand what he did it for. He was raised for your righteousness. He was raised so that you could live in victory. And basically all we do is preach what Jesus suffered and died. Every year he comes around, Jesus suffered and died. How many know you ought to know it by now if you've been in the church long enough that Jesus suffered and died? And, but what good is it if you don't know what it did for you? It doesn't mean anything. So Jesus basically came in here and he said, Hey, everybody, I am the door to the kingdom of God. I'm telling you there's not only life, but there's life that's more abundant beyond the door. All right, go to Philippians chapter 2. All right, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 20. Paul says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your welfare, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now, we could apply this to the church, couldn't we? It seems like the church is after things and more things and having things and getting things and doing things. If you want faith, you get things. If you want to do the impress God, and you get things. And you get things. But notice, things will never fulfill in the inside of you what you're missing. You're missing the kingdom of God because things don't give you a purpose. They give you a little excitement and happiness for a day. And then they become old again. But notice, until you fulfilled what's missing in your life, which is the kingdom of God and everything in the kingdom, you'll still be unfulfilled. It won't do it. That new car you get, you'll be excited about for a week. That new house you get, you'll be excited about two weeks until the payment's due. Then you'll be less unexcited about the whole thing. And why is that? Because things don't do it. We're looking for money. We're looking for fame. We're looking for popularity. And this whole world goes after that. How many of you know that? I mean, my gosh, those two on the football, I can't even think of their name that are going together now. For the Kansas City Chief, the, the singer. Oh, my gosh, I'm telling you what, it's all over, look, everywhere, just because they're seeing each other. Can you imagine that? And everybody's getting all excited about information that really does them no good whatsoever, doesn't even make any sense. And it's the same way. you got little, little boys out there beating each other up to steal their Nike shoes. Why? Because of things. Madonna one time sang Material World. Remember that song way back then? I'll tell you, that song was number one in every single country in the world for a long time. Why? Because everybody's after Material World. And it's the same way, but material things will not give it to you. When material things come because you're seeking first the kingdom of God, and they come even sometimes without you know they're coming, but they show up, you won't care that much that you got them anyway because you're doing what you're supposed to do. Money and all that stuff gives you no purpose whatsoever. Things don't give you a purpose, but the kingdom of God gives you a purpose. It's a reason from the day you were born again to the day that you die that you now have a purpose in the kingdom of God. And he's given you everything that you need to fulfill your purpose. He's given you the power. He's given you the wisdom. He's given you the knowledge. He's given you everything that you need. So basically, what does it do? It gives us a purpose. When I found out I had a purpose, it made reading the Bible fun. It made going to church exciting. I didn't go to church to impress God. I went to church because I've already been impressed by God. See, I love other people. Why? Because I love other people, not to just try to make God happy. All that other stuff is religious stuff. But what you find out what he did for you, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, righteousness. The kingdom is righteousness, which leads to peace, which leads to joy in the that's what we're after right there. That's the difference in our lives from everybody else. We have righteousness. And as we continue to teach on righteousness on Sunday, when you get the revelation of righteousness, the first thing you're going to notice is more peace in your life. And then you're going to start to get a little more joy. You're going to be standing there when nothing's going on. Once you're going to start going, 
Start looking around, who is that? Well, that's the supernatural joy. Come on. It's already on the inside of you. It finally got your head cleared enough so it could get up there and hit you a little bit so that you can figure out what's going on, praise God. And you start thinking about everything that he did for you. So it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we should be pursuing those things, not things, the things of heaven. He says, don't, don't pursue the things of heaven. Seek the things that are above, not the ones down here on the earth. Why? Because God knows what he's talking about. Okay, to Matthew chapter 6. All right, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 33. It says, but seek ye first the things of this world. All right, let's look at it again. Does it say this? But seek ye first the king. But seek ye first the... Uh, and his righteousness and all these things will be unto you. So you can't really separate the king from the kingdom because you can't get in the kingdom without the king and then he's king of the kingdom after you go through the door. But Jesus is the door that gets you into the kingdom of God to see the life beyond now that you've been born into. You can spend a lot of time uh, telling people about the door, and, but if you rarely teach on what's beyond the door, the church will never live in victory. They'll never live in what God wanted them to live in. Will we be saved? Yes. Will we be going to heaven? Yes. But we'll still be worldly just like the rest of the world. I mean, the divorce rate, you know, in the church is over 50%, just like it is in the world. So that means there's not a difference between the two, see? Sometimes they think when you're born again, there's no difference between not being saved and being saved, but there is. When you look at the Word, there's a big difference between one or the other, but sometimes we just don't think it's that big, but it is that big because He provided it. And people say, all you need is Jesus. He's the answer. Well, you need Jesus, and you need the kingdom of God on the other side and everything that is He provided, provided for us. Now, let me just give you an illustration. Let's say that I decided to start a business and I decided to start a shoe store. I'm going to start a shoe store. So basically I start a shoe store. I get a lot of nice shoes. I put them inside. I get a little, little building to do it. And basically what I do is I want to advertise. How many know advertisement is important? How many know preaching is basically advertisement? So I'm going to advertise. So I put on my advertisement. You're going to love my store, particularly the door. It's a beautiful door, solid oak door. It has gold features silver hinges eight foot high come on down i'm looking forward to seeing you at my store how many know nobody show up <laughs> nobody wants to see your door nobody wants to come for your door no the object of advertising is try to get them into your store so you're going to advertise what's beyond the door. are you getting it you're going to advertise what's beyond the door to get them in your store. Nobody wants the door, praise God. It doesn't work that way. That's why it says it's your father's good pleasure not to give you the door, but to give you the entire kingdom because there's more that goes on than beyond the door, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Same way here in Florida. How many know we're getting into the winter months now? This is a time where we make our money off the snowbirds. Come on. So we start running advertisements, don't we? But we don't run an advertisement in Ohio and North Dakota and all them cold places and say, come to Florida. Ron DeSantis is governor. He's a real nice guy. Dresses well. Got a good wife. Got good kids. Nobody would show up. No, we say, look at our beach. Look at our fishing. Look at our sun shining every single day. Look at how beautiful it is. How many know people will come? So we, we don't do the person. We do what's 
draws people to it. So it's the same way in the kingdom of God. When you start telling people that there's an abundant life more than they're living right now, that God has given them more through his mercy and grace that belongs to them, that not only did they enter the kingdom, but there's things in the kingdom that now belong to them, people are going to start coming after the kingdom. See, Jesus preached the kingdom and people came to him. The church has to go out and preach the gospel because nobody's coming. See? And most of the church don't want to hear anything about the kingdom because it's too different and too new to them. But it's the truth. It's in the word of God. Look at it. Study it. Read it. Look it up. Praise God. I've been doing it for years. It's in there. So praise God. What do we want to do? We want to advertise the right thing. It doesn't say, seek ye first heaven. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But everybody wants you to, you're going to heaven. Are you, are you saved and going to heaven? Well, I'm saved and going. I'm trying my best to get there. You know, are you saved and going to heaven? How about, are you saved in the kingdom and got power and authority? And they would say, I should say not. Are you out of your mind? But it's in the book. See, we've stopped. We've stopped at the door. Therefore, there's no victory on the other side for anybody right now. And we're not appealing to anybody. They don't care. They look at us. We're just as bad as they are. We're just vic victims like they are. We're just losers like they are. Why should they get born again if we can't even live in victory? There's no advertisement there even in our lives. And that's got to change, praise God. It's got to make a, some kind of change, glory to God. So we're not so much interested in the, the, the by and by. We want to get people interested in the rotten here and now. <laughs> See? Because we were told in the by and by when you die. In the by and by when you die. In the by and by when Jesus comes back. But what about the rotten here and now? I'm 20 years old. I'm born again. Jesus may not come back. I get 80 years of rotten here and now. And you want me to wait. Well, we've got to tell them it's not the rotten here and now. You can do it instead of the by and by. You can do it right now because it already belongs to you. This is where you should be walking in power. There's not going to be any resistance for you in heaven. I can't wait to use my authority when I get up there. Who are you going to cast out? The angels? But we've been taught that, haven't we? That's what, Why do you get up there? Boy, then you'll have some authority. Over who? Nobody would have authority over there. No, it's right now. This is, our, this is our time. Your lifetime here is your time, and this is when it's going to take place. So we need to learn how to live above the things of the world, not try to escape the world. Right. Sing so many songs about, oh, get us out of here. Oh, help us. We're hanging on. We shouldn't be hanging on. The devil should be trying to get us out of here. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 John chapter 5. Okay, 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 4. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How many believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How many have been born again? then you have now become world overcomers. But you become world overcomers basically by the knowledge that you get of what happened to you when you got in the kingdom. Notice your victory is your faith. Say my faith. Well, my faith in what? A new car? Is that going to make me victorious? New shoes? No. New house? No. In my authority? Yes. In my power? Yes. In my peace? Yes. In my righteousness? Yes. In my joy? Yes. It makes me a world overcomer. Comer. So here it says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This means when you think and act like a kingdom citizen, 
we can experience success, victory, not in the sweet by and by, but we can do it in the rotten here and now. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we overcome the world. How do we do that? We do it with kingdom thinking and kingdom ways. That is explained to us in the Bible. And what is the, what is the main learning tool that Jesus used? Something called parables. The parables that he wrote in here. Every parable that he wrote was trying to explain to us how the kingdom of God works and how the kingdom of God thinks and how people think who are in the kingdom of God. That's why he did parables so that we'd help us understand who we are and what he's done for each and every one of us. Now, how many know there's people in the church who are born again who are not living victorious? who are not living in victory, who do not know who they are, who do not know what's going on basically in their lives. And why is that? It's because, once again, a lack of knowledge of who we are, what we can do, what can take place. And the only way that's going to happen is by more knowledge coming to us and more revelation coming to us. So as we change our way of thinking, as we look at things the way they are, Jesus gave it his desire, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's God's will, isn't it? But the only way that's going to happen is if he can get a group of people or people in the world who think like he does, act like he does, and basically take the knowledge that they have into other people's lives. If you ever come to a place where you get someone born again who's close to you, don't worry, they'll be coming back for knowledge all the time. Because once you get born again, you're like a little baby. You want to know everything. And then you've got to be careful because they will eat anything. See? Cashy will put anything in his mouth that does, even if it moves, I guess. It doesn't make any difference. It's going to say if it don't move, it don't matter if it's moving. He puts it all in there. He's just at the age where for some reason they put everything in their mouth. And Christians are the same way. You get born again, then you're listening to this guy and that guy and this woman and that woman and, and everybody's preaching the gospel, but not everybody's preaching the... See, some people are just preaching the door gospel. And that's all the further you'll go because you don't know whether there's anything on the other side. But one, one thing the kingdom does and did for me is it basically gives me a purpose in life. I have a purpose in life. I have a purpose to set people free. How am I going to do that with the knowledge that Jesus gives me every single day? And I want to just keep reaching people and getting people and watch this gospel continue to spread throughout the whole world because that's your purpose and that's God's purpose, so it pleases God when we do that. And you people in here got enough knowledge, I'm telling you what, to give to anybody by now, praise God. You know things that other people never even heard of, but you've got the opportunity now to reveal that. And people want to hear it. They may not look like they want to hear. They may get mad, but deep inside, they're tired of their mess. I mean, I got tired of my mess, thank goodness, and then I came out of it. Praise God. It's the same with everybody else. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants joy. Well, if you could bottle it, you'd be rich, wouldn't you? Self or anything that you could do. But we have a responsibility now, and that is to understand what we have in the kingdom of God and continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to pull people out of the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Father. Oh, Father, I thank you, I praise you, I worship you for what you did tonight. I just give you glory for what you did in my life right now, praise God. I thank you that I'm through the door. I thank you for the power that you've given me. I thank you for the anointing that you've placed upon my life. I thank you for supernatural revelation in this body that just flows freely. I thank you that eyes are being opened up every single time the word goes forth. I thank you not only a greater understanding of who we are, what we can do, but how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much mercy you've poured out for us. Jesus, we thank you for everything that you've done, every nail that you've taken, every beating that you took, everything that you did for each and every one of us out of your love, and we just thank you and give you praise. And Father, we want to tell the world of how good you are, what a wonderful God you are, and what you've done for each and every one of us. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for tomorrow. We thank you for the next days. We thank you for using us every single day in what you've called us to do, and we give you the praise for everything in our lives because it came from you freely, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.
Amen. All right. We will see you Sunday. Don't forget we've got women's coffee house on. And don't forget we've got to turn our clocks back. the key.